Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by our show partner, Lacole, here with Benji, as always, for the Tour de France 2022 route reveal reaction. I went down to Paris last week to check out the route reveal, although it was, there was more hype, i got to stay in the room for the women's uh, route reaction, I guess. But anyway, the men's route is, I think, pretty good. I'm excited to get into it. I think it offers a lot of variety. I think uh, the second week was a little bit rough <laughs> this this year. So um, <laughs> after just well, after stage seven was a little bit rough. So we'll get into uh, the route. We might we'll also say which stage suits which rider. We'll go through it stage by stage, uh, and particularly look at the Grand Depart as well. But what do you think, Benji? They presented in in October. It's so far out, and then I mean, do they, do they have to? I guess so. The teams can prepare appropriately to know which rider you know it suits and which rider doesn't or when do you think would be the best time to present it january i think marketing wise it might not be the ideal moment but i do think that it's important to do it early so like you said the teams can prepare their schedule can plan out for the next season because yes we've got teams like jumbo visma who decide their grand tour team usually in the winter before the season start and then have to review it again a month before the tour de france because one of them got injured and that the team is completely different than the first time they announced it but that's the beauty of it because people can prepare people can look forward to things and it gives us something to talk about in the off season so i'm not really complaining yeah, exactly. It's great. Straight after Lombardia, we have this sort of content and people enjoyed the discussion last year. A word on our show partner, LaCole, who, as you know, produced performance cycling apparel. LaCole have just created, and this has been in the works for quite a while, I can tell you, the LaCole Cycling Club, a community united by stories, shared goals, and hard and fast ambition where you can ride with legends, train with pros, and earn rewards for riding those legends being the likes of Cancellara, Victoria Pendleton, and Bradley Wiggins. We have the link in the description to the Lacole Cycling Club. There's rewards for riding and just another aspect to what Lacole are building out for their brand to be more than just kit creating a cycling community so thanks Lacole, for supporting the podcast and awesome to see them moving into these sort of things as well but getting into the profile let's get straight into it overall numbers so we have one cobble stage we have an arenberg stage and i believe stage five obviously in northeast france we have by my count 2.7 sprint stages Locked on sprint stage, <laughs> 2.7. The third one is it's got a little few climbs in it, uh, but I, I think a fit sprinter should be getting over that. So, but that's not, that's not many. This year we had at least two too many sprint stages. That's with the stage 19 transition, and I'm not even counting in my numbers the the transition stage on stage 19. I'm not counting that as a sprint stage. And I've got five high mountain stages now. There's a there is a mountaintop finish I've discarded there, but it's. It's like a uni puerto stage. I'm not going to call that a high, high mountain stage. If it's one long climb at 14Ks at 5%, okay, maybe we have differing definitions. A lot of misc stages, a lot of light to hard medium mountain stages actually and whether teams take advantage of those, I'm not sure. I was even speaking to people there and I was lauding stage 20 at the Vuelta, Benji. I was saying stage 20 is so great at the Vuelta and people said, oh, well, you know, ASO put those stages in the tour and the riders don't race that way in the tour. I kind of disagree. I don't see the 6K 6% followed by 7K 7% followed by 6K 
all day stage here. I don't really see that sort of medium mountain. Is that your reading of it as well? Yeah, I I agree. We've got more the large mountain stage with larger climbs in general, like three of them, for example, in a parkour of 160 kilometers. We've also got the parkours where we've got shorter hills, shorter than those seven kilometers. And it's got valleys in between that are too large to make these subsequent climbs be as effective as we personally hope for. And I think because of that, these stages that might lean towards the likes of those stages that we mentioned will likely end up being a transitioning stage because they're not applicable enough like that stage 20. They're not like that. And I agree, we don't really have that here. And I feel like that's somewhat of a shame because I do enjoy those stages a lot. Those offer chaotic circumstances, mostly because it's very difficult to control those stages. It's one of the uh, reasons I view on it, at least. And yeah, it allows people uh, to go early and not necessarily be scared of a 30-kilometer climb at the end of the stage, stuff like that. But all in all, I do agree that I'm pretty okay with the parkour. I'm not going to say that it's the best parkour I've ever seen for a Tour de France nor a Grand Tour, but I think we're going to enjoy it, except for like perhaps the second part of week two that might be a bit of a slumber moment, but I think the rest will do well. I mean, the start of a tour is never boring, but... It starts a little bit slow. There's 53 kilometers of time trialing. The first stage is 13 and a half k's pancake flat, which we'll get into in a second. And then stage 20, again, the, the last real competitive GC stage is 40 and a half kilometers. So that last TT will be incredibly important. It's long, 40 and a half kilometers, and it's got 450 meters of climbing. We're talking big time gaps if ROG performs, I mean, he, he probably won't, but if Roglic does Olympic level TT power on that on that stage, you will be. Or well, Pagacha does his TDF TT performance. Huge gaps on that stage, and I think fifty three k's of time trialing, Benji. You got to bring a time trial to compete here in this in this Tour de France, even though there are some hard high mountain stages. How do you like? What sort of if you're Mikel Lander in Bahrain? Do you, are you skipping this? Do you tell him not? Nah, you're not going. Yeah, I would. I would dare to say so, indeed. And and we're looking at Bahrain, and we're looking at the other people in the team. Do you think that a Jack Haig will be more fitting, knowing that his time trial is also not at level of Pogacar and Roglic? I mean, it's better than Lander. Yeah, I think yeah, he's improving it, and also with the mixed parkour and the sort of heavy medium mountain stages, I think he gets through them quite well. So I do think he suits it better than Lander. But yeah, I think. Dumoulin is actually really good for this parkour <laughs> uh, with that level of TTing as well. So no team time trial, but there is, and let's get into it now, the Stage 1 TT, the Grand Depart on Stage 1 in Denmark. There's a lot of hype about it in Copenhagen. Uh, they had the, I think, the Prince at the presentation, spoke fluent French. It's, uh, it's always interesting to see. Everyone speaks like six languages at these events. 13 and a half Ks, 14 or 13 meters of elevation, pancake flat, 22 or 23 corners in that 13 Ks where I believe they'll need to break or stop pedaling significantly in advance of the relevant corner. So quite technical. The yellow jersey is on offer. This is a huge opportunity for the time trialists. This is like when Dennis took yellow in the opening TT in 2015 and I think he also did it at the Giro d'Italia. So a huge opportunity for them. Ganner's my favorite for the stage if he goes. Do you think he's 
well, yeah, how do you see this TT, Benji? I mean, uncontroversially, it's to the specialist, but do you think Ineos send him to the tour because of this TT? Well, I would send him to this tour because of the time trial and also the fact that we saw him on the Montalcino stage in the Giro last year, and we've got the Gobble stage here. I do want to see Yana on Gobbles. I've said this for years, and perhaps this might be the opportunity to have it happen. Nonetheless, that first time trial is an opportunity for him to take yellow on the first day. It's quite clear as that he is... When it comes to completely flat time trials, in my eyes, the best time trialist in the world. Fanat is not following too far after. But when I look at this prologue, it always reminds me of the Benelux time trials for some reason, because you've always got these shorter time trials in the Benelux store. And it's also quite technical, like this parkour is offering. You go from left to right, you've got one corner in this parkour that is quite uh, quite a steep corner, let's say. And in all honesty, I think that's going to affect how some of the riders work, but it's very difficult to look at time trials and say, oh, this time trialist, he's not as explosive and perhaps therefore might not be uh, as powerful on this park where I've got a difficulty in spotting a rider like that. Do you see someone, for example, like Bissiger, who's better on the uh, explosive prologues in my eyes? Do you have an opposite of that? A rider that is like not that great at that in your eyes because it's difficult for me. I just got Ganna for this and done that. Okay. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Uh, that's what I see for it and battling it out. And the thing is, Van Aert needs to go full for this TT. And Roglic, you know, Roglic and Pagancha, Roglic on a short TT is excellent as well, but given it's so flat and Roglic will be doing good power, but will he want to risk everything in these corners? Yeah, no. The same way Ghana did, it, it wouldn't be wise. So I think that the TT specials have an edge there as well. Bissiga. I look at that UAE TT. I'm sure he's improved since there, but that was 13 Ks and Ghana smashed yeah. him. Uh, Anderson in Denmark would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Doesn't have the power. Ghana's just, if he peaks for it, too much. Yeah, I agree. That being said, Van Aert, MVDP as well. I mean, if MVDP wants to train for this and peak for it, uh, MVDP literally could win this TT. If Ghana has a drops his chain or, or just underperforms like he, you know, some races he has done, not his A races this year or whatever. You never know what can happen in a TT. MVDP also, like he's a freak. He could win this TT given how technical it is. And But I think Van Aert will be close. And that goes into our next stage too, which is quite clearly, I think, a sprint stage, 200Ks from Ross Kilder uh, to Nybor, Pancake Flat. I think it looks like they make a two-meter depression in the profile look like a proper punch. It could be windy. We ought to put the caveat: wind should it could and probably will affect some of these stages in Denmark, given the proximity to the coast. I'm not sure which is this the one with the big bridge, yep. Benji. This is the one where we uh, basically start at the uh, well. To look at it, Denmark's basically divided into lots of islands, but you've got the main um, attached to Europe island on the left side, then a smaller island on the right side, and another smaller island on the right side. We go from the uh, Rightest island to the one on the left of that with a bridge, and that is in the final 20-ish kilometers of this parkour, which means that we're going to be uh, going across a pretty large uh, part of ocean into Naibo, and that bridge is likely going to be pretty windy. I've uh, decided to ask on Twitter what the Danish people feel like, and Trexigafredo responded that the uh, resident Danes in their team say that it's going to be windy in that area. So we can't expect that. And a lot of people are saying wind from the west, which means perhaps headwind. But I guess we're going to see that at the day itself. We can't be a weather manning a year before the race even starts here. But yeah, 
it's uh, going to be an interesting one, this one. We have also got the uh, 3K1 points in it. So our first polka dot. Do you think a Dane oh, really? will go for that? Uh, they should. I mean, I, I reckon either Schelling will try again. He's not Danish. But, yeah, I think a Dane, <laughs> a Dane will, should go for it and probably will. But, yeah, I'm interested to see who takes the poker points. Uh, I always think it's the best thing to target if you're not a sprinter, not a the top puncher. Why not go Full for it the first week? <laughs> That's why they're season objective. Him. Yeah, Israel. That's why. Yeah, get him in. Go for week one poker exposure. Probably be seriously clear, would be a good idea for him. Uh, but yeah, I think this one for the sprinters, especially if it's headwind, that'll destroy a break and make it hard to get away as well. So, Murku looking for the sprinters. Murku Jakobsen connection against you and then his uh, his new Bora lead out, as well as others. Obviously, the next stage, hundred and eighty two k's. Again, not too much elevation, but more punchy. This one, we do have some like 600-meter, 6% punches, 1K, 5% punches, but nothing too much near the finish, a flat finish from in Sonderborg. 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 Again, sprint. Isn't this just a sprint again, Benji? I would dare so. Um, I expect this to be a sprint indeed. We've got the earlier stages where teams with sprinters will not have too many uh, riders out of the race already, hopefully. Um and as a consequence, they should have enough to uh, control these races. The likes of Tim de Klerk will be taking on the uh, front of the peloton quite significantly. We'll see uh, Lotto Sidel put somebody at the front of the peloton to also control throughout the race. Alps and Phoenix, all those teams combined should be doable to keep it all controlled and not have a breakaway rider win. And you also don't have like one of those hills in the last 20 kilometers that Brent van Moer can still be alive on. So uh, I do not expect so stage two might be special because of the wind, but I think stage three is a normal sprint in my eyes. Stage. So then they, they start on the Friday, actually, and then they have the three stages in Denmark. Monday is a transfer day from Denmark down to France. So we have an early rest day before stage four in Calais, which are from Dunkirk to Calais, rather. So Brits get on the Eurostar. You can see the finish in in Calais. 173 k's, quite a rolly stage. Apparently, there's a gravel, a gravel climb in the first 30 k's. I don't really see yeah, that. The castle, double climb. It's uh, yeah. just across the border from, uh, I think, the bottom of West Flanders or something to right. France, because uh, it's part of Hendwevelheim. I think. Not sure. Okay. Well, I mean, it's of no moment for GC, but an interesting climb nonetheless. It's a uh, Thunderpool. <laughs> on this profile, it's been given Cat One, Benji. Yeah, it's come on it's 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 a cobble climb come on <laughs> it's almost flemish cobbles it's special oh no it's one it just means one cobble climb anyway there's punchy climbs the last of which is 1.1 k's at six and a half percent but it's 11 k's from the finish i really think a fit sprinter should be getting to the finish here and and merlier if not him definitely jasper phillips and those sort of guys should be making it to the finish with absolutely no trouble at all uh, given how far that climb is from the finish. And they have to pace very absolutely furiously on those climbs to drop the likes of Nizzolo and co. If, if you're Yumbo, who probably wouldn't pace for that art anyway. Maybe MVDP attacks there and, and Alperson sit in. That wouldn't be a bad strategy. But this is this is my t- part of the 2.8, 2.7 sprints, Benji. I, I still see this mostly as a sprint. Yeah, me as well. I do think that... I think it's for the entertainment level that we have so many K1 points in this parkour because it's like one, two, three, four, five, yeah, six, seven fun. K1 points. <laughs> there will be <laughs> a battle. Busy. 
Was it Perez and Schelling going head-to-head this year? It was pretty well, the fun. the I think, as well, last year with Perez. So Perez has fun. always been involved. Yeah. Still seeing this as a sprint, though. And stage five, 144.5Ks. This is the cobbled stage, finishing in Arenberg from Lille. They have 19.5 kilometers of cobbles, mostly from 90Ks to go to 140Ks. There's no five-star sectors like they haven't been given star attribution do you know offhand benji if there's any really nasty ones here well i do remember that most of these are actually like proper roubaix cobbles and if we take a closer look at them i do see quite a few that we know but i don't see the likes of a carrefour de l'arbre on the parkour or a mozan pavel so we're not looking at a five-star sector here which is a bit unfortunate, but then again, on the other end, harder cobbles on a Tour de France parkour might be uh, creating some trouble. I honestly don't know the classification of these sectors, to be honest. I do think that they're going to matter, and it kind of depends on the weather on how much, of course, because if we see 2014 weather, the likes of Vincenzo Nibali moment arrive, where he uh, is allowed to uh, now in the colors of Astana once again, rise to the top. Ah, would be beautiful. But yeah, if it rains, then it's going to influence a lot. And if it doesn't rain, it might be uh, somewhat less insane as people are expecting. But I also don't want the stage to decide the tour, you know? I want it to affect it a tiny bit. I want it to do spectacular stuff, but I don't want it to decide it. Yeah, someone crashing out or having a mechanical and not being able to get service and losing three minutes, that, that just sucks. And I think... Lefebvre came out and says cobbles, said cobbles have no place in a Grand Tour. I mean, I disagree. Like They've been part of Grand Tours historically for a long time. That being said, you don't want to overweight them either. Yeah. Like I'd love to see a Van Aert, Van der Poel, Asgren battle on this stage and a battle for yellow perhaps because all those guys are going to do good TTs and maybe Van Aert picks up some bonus seconds if he decides to go for sprints. A battle between those three for yellow would be fantastic, a fantastic spectacle. But no, I don't want, I don't want Roglic to go down here. That that would really ruin, yeah, but ruin the race for me. You do mention like a very, uh, very important discussion here. We know that Van der Poel will likely have the uh, free reins when it comes to going for this stage. We know that at Quick Step, likely in Alaphilippe and the other cobblers in that team might be able to do so as well. When you look at Jumbo, they've got trouble there, you know, because if you look at this Grand Tour, we're already talking about how that team will work together. But I would never give out Fanart Freedom on this stage. Really? Yeah. You'd have him and Mike looking after Roglic. I yeah. probably would too, to be honest. Like, yeah, they 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 made the decision. It seemed well already on stage one. We were talking about it this year on stage one. He worked for Roglic, and I think that would have been the plan. It really will depend, though, on how their form is going in, yeah. um, how Roglic is looking, etc. Presuming you know, presuming he's fine, though, yeah, like GC will be important. That, and I think there's stages where it's more, it's less risky to give Van Aert some freedom. But I do think they look at this year's, you know, this year's tour. Jonas second wasn't affected even when we were critical of them by then sending riders up the road to hunt stages. The EF always do it, but it is difficult to do it when you're going for that yellow uh, rather than a podium. But yeah, yeah th- this stage should be good. It's a short one, 144Ks, three and a half hours of, of action. When it comes to uh, riders on this parkour, GC riders and so forth, we know that 
Roglic has a reference in the Tour de France of 2018 where he did the couple stage in the Tour de France. I think that was a harder parkour, actually. So we know that he can uh, survive this quite well. But then again, Dan Martin also did in the group that day. So it's not like it was the most extreme tempo on the couples that day. And I, I'm just curious what to expect when it comes to the Slovenes against each other and how other people will be involved in this stage. Because Pogacar, I've got complete confidence that Pogacar can do cobbles properly because yeah. he's done proper ones before. We can laugh at Paris-Houbet juniors as much as we want for it being a juniors race and therefore the ride is automatically coming towards the top. But when you look at the top 10s in those races, those riders actually are pretty damn decent on cobbles. Um, so... It is an indication that him coming 13 in that can offer him an opportunity to try something on this parkour. He always talks about wanting to go early on cobble races and so forth and loving Roubaix because they always go early on that parkour. And I think that I'm very curious what he will do on this parkour, certainly. And also what an Astana will do because they will arrive at this parkour with Lopez and Nibali and they will realize that Vincenzo Nibali is the king after this stage and <laughs> Lopez will be seven minutes behind. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, Quintana on Arkea, uh, where he'll be going for GC. Denkov going to DSM. He's the, his last big win was the cobbled stage at the Tour in 2018, maybe? Correct. It's a shorter one. It's not as hard. This is really something for him to peak for. And, and into Marche too, Benji. You know, they've signed Kristoff. Yeah, obviously the Pedersons. But this, yeah. this sort of stage is the one where Kristoff's looking at the earlier stages like shit. Um, my pure sprint speed <laughs> against, the, you know, the top sprinters ain't it really. No, 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 no. He's going to be chained to Louis Mankies. I can feel it. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the hierarchy <laughs> in that team. I think Christoph is a big target for those sort of classicsy boys who don't have the top end this this stage here. And it's probably the last stage for Tim Merlier, Benji, because I, if I was him, I would leave after stage five. Do you think we'll see that <laughs> after stage five? A max X? No, he should. Like... <laughs> What what's left after the after stage five? What is left for the pure sprint guys, Ewan, Bennett, and and Merlier? The only thing that you have is that one stage at the end that is most likely also oh, able right. to go to a breakaway. So like Always it's right. not worth it for a pure sprinter that can't do anything else in this ground tour to stay. And then you even start questioning: Is it worth bringing Merlier to this? Reigns, if you've got Philipson, I would dare to say Merlier is a better sprinter. No, bring both. Bring both. Have Merlier do the but every the point. Sprints. But the problem there is every point you sprint with Merlier yeah, is green money. jersey points taken away from Philipson. You can't go for green with a Vanderpool because Philipson's going to be doing the uh, flat sprints or Merlier. So you got to decide somehow who to go for sprints in that team. So sure. that's a conversation we might have in the future. What will happen in Alpesen for that? Uh, race here that's a good point yeah i mean they sort of while they did in the tour this year is a bit weird but i think yeah merlier and it's just there's really not many sprints after this stage five and i haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned his name yet but peter sagan i think he is a big shout for green again because van art might have will not probably have the license to go for green i think he's more likely to have the license to go for stages when it suits but not green every day. Who knows, though? Um, we have only a few pure sprint stages. We might have the – this year it was 
perfect for a pure sprinter like Cavendish, the green jersey. But yeah, MVDP and Albertson have a difficult conversation, uh, you know, balance there. Sagan and Total, I think, will be definitely in the hunt for green as well as Matthews at uh, bike exchange. But yeah, stage six, 220Ks, Rolly parkour with no only one 2.2K, 6% categorized climb in the first 200Ks, and then a puncher's delight. Kind of, this is kind of like a shorter version of the uh, Garizia Slovenia stage, Benji in the Giro. <laughs> yeah. 2.3K is 4% backed into a K at 10.5% backed into 1.7K at 6%. Alaphilippe, if De Kernic won it, it's an Alaphilippe, MVDP, Wafanart, Roglic, Poglic, Roglic, Pogaccia, and maybe Benoit battle here. Uh, or do you see a break? Who's going to want to control this for 200Ks? Um, I think that that's very difficult. And you haven't really had a stage or... I don't think the likes of Anala Philippe or someone like that will have lost enough time by this point to be able to go and break away is quite madly. Or will they just not care? That's also possible because at this point they might not be scared of Anala Philippe for the GC of this race yet. Perhaps not in the future either. But like, oh, that's a difficult one to be honest. Like, the Koenig could control it for the likes of an Alaphilippe, but Vanderpool's alive as well, so wouldn't they just, like, would it, wouldn't it be risky if they throw everything on Alaphilippe and then end up being beaten by a Vanderpool or something in Longwe? Stuff like that. Oh. I do remember this stage in, like, 2017 or something, stage three. I don't Peaks, know who won it, though. Peaks again cleans this up, but... As we discussed the other day on the Q&A, he, he's not here anymore. It's a very interesting stage and another balance for Jumbo Visma, Benji, because Roglic on 1,700 metres, 6% finish, preceded yeah. by a few climbs with bonus seconds in play, is devastating. And But so is Van Aert. And Ineos have got, maybe do Ineos bring Hater? I don't think Pidcock's doing the tour and it might be pretty early for Hater to do the tour. But again, Hater at Tour of Britain look good. It should be... Maybe, listen, maybe it'll end up being uh, Mohoric attacking Jasper Sturvin again, like in stage seven when it was the break <laughs> and you know, it goes with a bit of a whimper. But should be a nice finish. Even someone like Narvaez on Ineos in the break would be pretty Do you pretty think nasty. that they'll go on the second last climb or the last one? Because I've got the feeling that the last one itself, if Alaphilippe waits for a long weed, then it's more likely to go to a candidate like, an, uh, like a Vanderpool. And if he goes on the climb before already, which is on paper the steeper one, if I'm looking at it, it correctly. Is, yeah, it is 1K, 10%. Well, then I, I might see. believe more. But then again, 1K is not long enough, you know, to drop a Vanderpool. Uh, depends. I don't know. Maybe. First mountain stage, stage seven. We've had six stages of variety, but now the first mountain stage, if you want to call it mountain, it is the Super Planche de Belfi finish, 176Ks long. We have just a 3K 6%er and a 3K 5%er beforehand. Nothing crazy. That's why I said, like, you cannot expect big GC gaps. And the, the GC guys, are, hopefully they're not banged up. They're arriving to this, should be relatively fresh. They've done no large mountains beforehand it's a short you know, medium-sized stage with one mountaintop finish the last k on super planche is a is gravel it's a bit longer than the planche de Belfi from the tt in stage 20 last uh two years ago 7.6 goes 8.2 percent roglic should be the favorite for the stage yeah uh when you look at his his 15 minute or 15 to 20 minute profile fresh like at torino in week one with the punch at the end 
it's just obscene. But uh, obviously, Pog, I'm just not expecting big gaps here, Benji. No. Uh, what is that how you view it as well? I see Slovenia on top and then a, a larger gap behind the Slovenians than in between the Slovenians on this part. I think Yates can be close. Yeah, if he's at the tour. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty important fact. <laughs> what about a Bernal on I think this sort of stage is is not what suits Bernal at all. Yeah. It's the opposite. This is what the Slovenians are really good at, is yeah. this sort of run up and punch. What about Alaphilippe? Too hard? Uh yeah, I believe that's too hard. Definitely when you're looking at the likes of uh Roglic and Pogacar against them. So he's not likely gonna beat them in the same group. But we're talking about attacking away from the elite group and so forth. What if it's just a breakaway stage? Because who's going to control this race so early on in, Yumba should. in the Tour de France? You think Yumba, that? Yumba should. Roglic week one, bonus seconds. It's, yeah. it, this ain't the Vuelta against Enric Mas. If you're Roglic against Pogacar, <laughs> you need to take the time when you're when you're feeling good. That's the, yeah. you know, I feel like they uh, they rue losing losing time perhaps on Perisud in 2020. If he's feeling good on a stage that suits Roglic, bonus seconds available, Depending on how close they are from the TTs, this is where to, to strike. And I think, yeah, why they should pace. It's not that long. It's not that complicated. They should. Uh, because next stage, maybe they take it off, Benji. You know, stage yeah. eight, 184Ks. Break. Light medium, light, medium mountain. Break, break, break. Carlos Verona, free him of a star, <laughs> please. Don't you think, Benji? It's possible. You've got the likes of a Trotnik that I would also call Ooh, for a yes. stage like this. Or Trotnik we've Moritz. got a... Uh, a pretty uh, shit week one Giro break where Lafayette ends up winning. <laughs> yeah. that, it reminds me of that stage, actually, this sparkle. Um, it's not the most extreme last ram that you've got. 4.9 kilometers, 4.5%. Uh, I think that it could go two ways. I think the break will stay relatively together over the uh, middle climbs there. But then after that descent or just before the top of that called du uh, Molandrus, uh well i think someone attacks there someone in the valley afterwards that tries to evade having to punch on the climb against the best punchers in the group and if they all stick together then the best puncher ends up winning the stage otherwise it's a ruler that wins so very much looking forward to uh the stage afterwards <laughs> yes um, um hopefully an opportunity for a strong guy i think dsm with will be sending strong people in this break but yeah uh, Break there's nothing to offer the GC here. Maybe MVP gets in the break and, and saves up bacon. Stage nine, the last stage before the first proper rest day, 183 kilometers long. We have uh, the colder Moses Mosses, 13 k's, 4.2 percent part the seas, followed by 8 k's, 7 percent descent, 13 k valley, and then the Pas de Morgin. 16 and a half k's, 6% short descent, and then like a 4k. 4 kilometers, 4.5, yeah. Right. So this reminds me of the Agual stage that Lutschenko won, Benji, and I think a break has a good opportunity here again. I believe so as well. You do have the fact that this is actually an interesting stage where I would say that if it's the 20th stage in a race that you will have a tax on Col La Croix. Yeah. But it being so early in the parkour makes it viable as a breakaway stage as well you don't necessarily have too many kilometers to control either i feel like because you're gonna have a battle to go into the breakaway from that first climb to call the chevre something like that and then you've got a 
a bit of a plateau section on top to that next climb. So if the break is already formed after like 60 kilometers, which I would expect, then they only have to control for like 20 kilometers before the climb start. So if they don't take a uh, pissing break there and lose eight minutes, then it wouldn't surprise me if this goes to GC as well. Like it could go both ways for me. I'm looking at Igita, Kemner, Conrad, those sorts of riders, uh, because it's so much effort to gain time on GC here, especially with that last longer climb not being particularly steep. It even levels off in the last sort of three to four Ks rather. And then you've got to maintain that for 10 kilometers, nine kilometers with an up and down. I don't know. I just, I see a break here with Paulus, Luchenko style riders and the ones I've already just mentioned. Then we have our first rest day. I think the, the goal with ASO is to keep GC tight and normally I think crash is dependent. Some people will crash and they'll have mechanicals. GC, I see no reason for it to not be particularly tight here. Now, I mean, it's a long time, but for the general public, it's it doesn't seem like that much. I don't I don't see four minutes here, Benji, like we saw in, in week after week one in uh, this year when we had that stage eight, stage nine, we're, we're much harder than anything we see here, right? Yeah, I would expect so as well. I think that Col de Rome, Col de Colombière duo. Is a, is a much harder one that we've had here. I do think that Blanche is going to put some people ahead of other people, but it won't be at a, a deficit of four minutes, that's for sure. I um I would be really surprised if it's otherwise, but looking into the uh, next few stages, then we've got stage 10, which is a bit of an odd one to me. This feels like a very odd stage. 146 kilometers, and it basically has three climbs, but... Can we call them real climbs? 4% for like 7.3 kilometers is the first one. Then we go downwards. We've got a climb of 7 kilometers, roughly at 3.8%. Then a plateau section or like a valley in between the second and the last climb, which is one to the finish line. Megav, it's the one where we have the, was it Paris-Nice ITT quite a few times before in the past, but is this, this is not a real one? climb. I have, what? Is, is this it? where Kous won? Megav, Dauphiné, 2020? I don't know. I feel like he won on a, an altiport. Maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe he came up the other it's side. Possible. This is Yumbo again. Got a control. If you got Roglic on good condition in a short stage with one main climb and a, a sort of steady gradient, I just see Roglic Benji sprint take take ten seconds plus ten. Is that how you see it, or do you think it's so uninteresting from a GC perspective? A break might have a chance. I um. I would not be certain about the GC taking it, but what this reminds me of is that first, was it Dauphiné stage in 2020 where you've got Van Aert winning a mountain finish? This could generally happen on this finish. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's so, un if, if the break doesn't make it for whatever reason, because it's short and they can't get away a big enough gap, but also GC, no one can really be bothered because it's like, oh, yeah. what, what are we going to gain? Two minutes on a 4% climb? And then yeah. suddenly you've got a group of 40 guys uh, at the finish. That that could happen on this stage. I'm yeah. not expecting fireworks. Compared to tomorrow, stage 11, 150 kilometers long, we have the Galibier-Granon combo preceded by the Col du Telegraph. This is a hard stage given how short it is. 11, 12K, 7%. Then up to this Henri de Grange, 18 kilometers at 7% for the Glibier, and then into cold long descent of 30 kilometers plus to Col de Grenon, 
11.5 Ks, 9%, 2,400 meters. This is why Astana pay Miguel Angel Lopez the big bucks because this is the stage he can win next year. I agree that this is a stage that certainly suits him because of the longer, not necessarily the longer climbs, but the higher altitude, obviously. Yeah, You've seen it on uh, Code La Loss, for example, and so forth. But one issue that I have with that is that that last climb is only 11.4 kilometers. And I feel like when I think about those Lopez victories, the last climb was larger than 11.4 kilometers. But is that going to be enough to stop Lopez from taking the stage? Well, I do think that Roglic and Pogacar are going to say hi to him. I don't think they're going to be uh, thrown away from this stage either. I'm curious whether a team is going to take it up on the Galibier. Um, I don't think Telegraph is going to happen yet, but I don't know. So far from the finish. But it's so Ineos to do it. Really? I mean, it's the big question, Benji, obviously, is do they take Bernal? Like, Yates on Gamonatera didn't look too flash hot. Bernal, yeah. obviously, to altitude, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. But, yeah, that's a – and it's a peddling descent just by the eye as well. Like, it's long. I don't think – you're going to have to put in a fair bit of work there before the final climb. I just see – I see Lopez at a, a solid deficit going mm-hmm. into this stage to the Slovenians. And you've got to remember they're banking that huge TT in the last stage against him. I think if he goes like he did on Gamonateru, two Ks to go, just limit losses and, you know, he can have 10 seconds in the stage. Congrats, you know. Yeah, uh, but that's, you think he's still going to be in the GC but Laudry Cobble stage? Well, that's what I mean. Like, he, I think at best he's lost probably a minute up to this point at best. So the Slovenians yeah. won't be too concerned. Uh, listen, maybe Juan Ayuso is like – Come, well, there's probably going to be some GC contender that just blows us away at UAE. GC Gus, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> stage 12, back to back high mountain stages, 165Ks. We're in the Alps, by the way, from Briançon to Alpe d'Huez. 18Ks, 6%, a long stepped descent of 50Ks down to the bottom of Col de la Croix de Fer. 30Ks at 5.2%, although the steeper sections in there. Again, a long step descent and a short valley of 11 kilometers before Alpdues, which you know well, 14Ks, 8%. All uh, a bit at the start's up to altitude, but yeah, the Alpdues is below 2,000 meters. This is a traditional just GC day. And uh, this is, I think, where Pagacha and UAE should, should make it hard, Benji. I think with this, all the climbing put together and, and the day before with his recovery, I think this is the stage for Pog. I think it's also a stage that certainly suits him. We've got three climbs that are very difficult. The first one is that high altitude Galibier, once again, that we had in the stage before. So that's going to matter. I uh, do remember the stage from the past in the Tour de France. I'm subtly trying to use me talking to look at which year it was that they did this. Was it 2016, Beyonson, to Alpe d'Huez? I do remember one. Um, I can't find it. Okay. So um, I don't know. But I do remember that the attacks were happening already on the second climb on this parkour last time they did it. It was a very different dynamic when you still had an Ineos and so forth fighting for this parkour. And I think that the aspect here is how strong are the teams going to be against each other? We can talk about the likes of Pogacar lighting it up with UAE and so forth. But what Swear, if Yambo is super strong again, like 2020? Dumo, Dennis. That's why, is, is this why they signed, De- signed Dennis Benji to pay Scalibier hard? You know, is that what you're referring to? Not, not to typos like Tony Martin when necessary? 
I think Dennis, they, they think he can get his climbing going well and maybe even on the Galibier yeah. jersey, yeah. Um, like uh, Stelvio and Giro when yeah. he uh, brought the victory to Dalgegen Hart. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't wait to see it. I Again, it's tough to know when you don't know the team composition and maybe Enric Mas continues his progression, but uh, maybe not either. Stage 13, another one of these medium mountain stages that it just isn't hard enough. Even if this was the stage 20, Benji, it's just not hard enough. Yeah. 193 Ks. It's a collection of like four to five K climbs at about four to, to five and a half percent. Some a bit longer, some a bit steeper. But the finish also is not, is, is just like rolling as well. I see a break uh, again and maybe like Sturvin. Sturvin can win this from the break. Yeah, it's going to be pretty explosive at the start because you have a descent leading to the first climb. So the action to get in the breakaway is going to happen on that first climb already. And it's not the craziest of gradients at the climb, but it's good enough to get the climbers to get away and not necessarily the rulers on this one. Certainly, if the break hasn't formed yet on this first climb, then there's a, an entire valley section in between that and the next climb for the break to form with more rulers. And that's when a Stiven could go. But on the climb itself, I think that Stiven might have difficulties to get in the breakaway as easily as the likes of actual climbers. So it depends on where the break forms, which type of riders that I do see in this breakaway. But I think um, one of the climbs that most likely will be the deciding factor in the break for me is that second last climb with roughly 50k to go, 40k to go. This is yep. where someone like a Mohoric, um, like those type of riders that often go early and still have like a good solo at the end, to try and get away there and after that climb you've got the descent but still 32 kilometers of a solo to do this is a Hirschi Polarin territory of Tour de France 2020 in my eyes Andreas Kron I like for this sort of stage Lewis Leon Sanchez Tratnik all those sorts of names expecting the breakaways but no GC action from what I can see stage 14 break again I think 196 and a half k's if you're in the yellow jersey here like, why do you want to? Why do you want to burn your team pacing? I just don't see the incentive. I know there's it finishes. This is like medium mountain again, but there's like a longer false flat, like twenty k climb. It averages two percent. This is more like up and down, up and down, up and down, shorter climbs. But it does finish with allegedly three k's at ten and a half percent, about a two and a half k's from the finish. Again, it's not right at the finish, so you're going to have to continue it on. So you might lose time after that. I would, if I'm Movistar, I just, I just send Valverde in the break, frankly, if he's lost enough time and, and then you go for that sort of strategy. You need to be good on that final climb, like a proper like a proper ability to climb and maybe Al-Philippe's lost enough time. But I just don't see why why GC would pace Benji. Like UAE would want Pog, they rely on TT in a high mountain. And for Yumbo, I just don't see it either. So I see break again. Yep, I uh, I agree that this is more likely a break stage. I look at these parkours and I'm like, yeah, these are the kind of stages where it could be pretty chaotic in breakaways. And we spoke a lot about Wout van GC last year, but I feel like we can't talk about that this year just because of the uh, loads of high altitude climbs. And I think that's a difference compared to last year. If you look at this parkour and you've got the cobble stage, you've got so many time trial kilometers, you've got lots of medium mountain stages are the altitude stages the ones that are telling us no nah, it's impossible this year or you think that it, there's a possibility out there where you see Wout Fanard being a role in GC 
don't really see it. Me like, neither. He's not even he's not even better than Pagatra at medium mountain stages. Yeah. So like Exactly. <laughs> so that's the problem. Like it just I don't see it. I think I mean I, I can't really there's no sprint points that have been inserted yet from what I can see, but um regarding going for green but yeah it's it's going to be a certain type of rider winning these stages again like even a conrad can be winning or morris store store yeah difficult man in the break as well but i still think yeah gc pretty tight up to this point and and stage 15 is much of a muchness again 200 k's medium mountain finishing in in carcassonne now if roglic didn't exist and, and van art was on a different team or as a prime Sagan, like do you think prime Sagan? i think i think Total are going to pace this stage, Benji, because of the flat finish. Uh, I've got one issue here, and that's that we don't have a complete profile yet on every single one of these parkours because we don't know yet where these sprints are going to be. And that might be an indicator of, for example, if in this stage, the intermediate sprint is halfway to stage, Total should murder the first 50 kilometers for someone like Sagan for their green jersey and so forth. And that that maintains brake control. Exactly. As a consequence, the break will be controlled and then they might get closer to that climb at pre-fall uh, into the stage, which is basically the last climb of the stage and then has a false flat descent to the line like you mentioned with that flat finish. But uh, it just shouts break to me, but it could be leading towards something else if the control for the intermediate sprint is too long. <laughs> or if there's complete, no one really controlling it, but no break, descent attack. I, I don't know. I think... If you have a reduced bunch sprinter, this really is the stage to try something where you can get some reward unless you see a large break going early, in which case you better get yeah. in that break. But, yeah, Magnus Court we haven't mentioned yet. This looks like a yeah. Magnus Court stage, previously known as Michael Matthews stages. Second rest day <laughs> after stage 15, stage 16 at 180 Ks, nothing on for the GC guys unless – Someone wants to blow up before the Pyrenees. We have two climbs mainly for the day, 11K, 7%, straight then into 9.5K, 7.5% before a 27-kilometre descent into Foie. I more see it as a break for the strong break-style climbers like Stora uh, and Ben O'Connor if he's lost loads Godou. of time, etc. Godou, yeah. Is that how you see this, Benji, or, or 20, uh, 2020 he or she if he reappears? Yeah, if you're a Pierce, perhaps, but <laughs> then again, like this is uh indeed for the more climby types in the breakaway for me. Uh he's gonna be stuck. You know that. There's no free way him. in hell he's gonna be free this time around. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the first half of this parkour, it's too long for a team to control that hundred kilometers with two small hills. I see a breakaway getting uh eight, nine minutes before we start the Portelaire and I don't see them getting caught really because why should someone start pacing there? Well, if they're if they're uh, not looking good when it comes to GC and uh, want to try something, but then again, the hardest stages are arriving after this one. So why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why would you pace like that on stage 16 when you know that stage 17 is coming? And I'll let you talk about it because that one has four solid mountains, you know? Yeah, so we've basically got Benji and I think there could be four straight breakaway stages. Uh, from 13 to 16 which could be a little bit rough but stage 17 we get into the Pyrenees by the way I might go and see that finish in Fuan it's pretty close to Andorra but the next one short stage packed full of high mountains 130 k's from Saint-Gaudin to Perigude Perigude is this the stage 20 Vuelta stage 
Ah, uh, yeah, kind of is. Yeah, actually, I, I like this. Is it? This is like really hard. <laughs> like it, it, it sort of is in the Pyrenees, but none of the climbs are thirty minutes. They're all like uh, maybe a bit shorter efforts. But yeah, this is this is one where you could really try something, especially if you got a satellite rider in the valley. Particularly that eight and a half k, seven and a half percent second last climb. That kind of looks like the Covadonga one, Benji. Like with with Bernal, but it's short stage. I, I see GC. I think Roglic can, if he's got his covered on the legs, let them loose. Is what I say. When you arrive at the first of these climbs, they're called the span. You'll likely see riders that are um, satellite riders going to the breakaway, or perhaps already on the flatter part, uh, the flatter part before the Col d'Aspin. And um, uh, I feel like what this looks like to me is that it's Julia stage where you could have satellite riders on the first two of the climbs, and I'm very curious what the descent of the Urquette d'Ancizan looks like, because if that's technical, then you might see someone try something crazy and get into a situation that is is very notable. Now, you're right, that second last stage is where it's at for me when it comes to launching a leader that wants to risk it on this day, but the question is, are you going to risk it a lot knowing what comes the day after? Because it's not an easy stage either, I uh, do enjoy the Pedagoda finish, and like you mentioned, this is the closest that we have to those stages, those um, Itzulia stages, those stage 20 Velta stages, but I feel like the first part of the race is too long, the flat part, for it to be crazy when it comes to getting satellite riders ahead, you know? Uh, I don't know, maybe on the cold, yeah, and there's no really little short cat three in the in the first 40Ks yeah. either, unfortunately. I think Bahrain, like Haig, head to head against the Slovenians. If Bahrain go for GC with Haig, he, you know, head to head, he's fucked. Yeah, so you got to hit him with the Mater one two. And I think sending Mater, he's got a good descent on him. We saw in Tour de Swiss, but uh, I guess he was catching woods. But you know, he <laughs> Mater and and Haig one two on these this sort of stage, especially when it's about seven percent, perfect place for ambush territory. And even if Bernal Carapaz 1-2 or, I mean, I, I don't see how they could bring a non-time trialist duo, you know, like they need someone good at TT for that because if it's just Bernal head-to-head, I, I just, I don't see it. Maybe Yates' TT is is unbelievable next year. I don't know. But, yeah, I think this is a good opportunity if you do have two up on GC to to make it count uh, on this stage. But we'll see. Uh, hopefully it's exciting. Stage 18, as Benji said, 144Ks short again. These are sub four hour mountain stages, or well, maybe about four hours. Uh, this is from Lourdes to the Altacam. We have again a flattish roll in, and then we have the Col d'Obisque 17k, 7% descent. Then they do the Col de Spandels 10.5k, 8% descent. Then the Altacam 13.6k at 8%. Hopefully, we got a tight GC or, or we got someone behind by a minute and they need to launch it on this stage. I don't care who it is, but I think we will see hopefully people attacking here. The worst case is one is locked away and two, three, and we have people defending fifth to seventh, which is just uh, just terrible. But, yeah, I'm, I'm quietly hopeful for this stage, Benji, that it could be a, a big showdown on GC. I think so as well. I... Um... Do think that the second last climb, the uh, one towards the Otakam climb, has a descent that is not too steep. Perhaps it's because it's that short of a stage and it looks like that at least. Um, 
because it's not that steep. I think that it's working against people who try and go on that second last climb already. I do love the Obisk Sulor duo. Is that not the one where we had Hushoff's one winning in like 2011, 2009, 2010, something like that? Oh, I have memories from this stage very, very far away, but that duo is shining in my uh, in my eyes right now. But Otakam, the place where Nibali are. Uh, Destroyed nobody because nobody was left in the Tour de France 2014 Keanu by Reese, this baby. point. What? Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves, out to can. He's legendary. I he straight did. up went to an actor. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. Keanu Reeves, how to can. is just outrageous. <laughs> outrageous times. Oh, I'd like to see if that got broken next year. Um, stage 19, which this has become a you know the transition stage for the break because the sprinters teams well there's no sprinters left. Merlier's been on, in the Maldives for two weeks at this point, so <laughs> 189k's. We'll see some. Uh, we'll see the the big boys just getting a break and fight it out. I think maybe Trenton lose a bunch a reduced crew of sprinters. Sudenkra Andersen. Yeah, that's, that's a good shout if he's back to 2020 level. Stage 20. It's been all leading up to this 40 and a half k's. Like it's from La Capelle to Marival. By the way, we've done a big clockwise loop around France, but avoiding the middle and never going west. But although Britannia's got a got the Depart uh, this year, forty and a half k's, four hundred thirty-two meters of climbing, big gaps, Pog, TT God, in the Tour de France on stage twenty. No one will be comfortable, Benji. Neither Roglic nor Pagacha nor say Bernal's a bit ahead. No one will be comfortable. Anything can happen on this TT. So hopefully, the GC contenders all make it here, all within about a minute and a half of each other. It would be great to see. But yeah, do you see? Personally, I think Van Aert's the favorite for this stage. By the way, just put that out there. Yeah, I agree. But I also think that Pagacha could just beat him in the same way that he did at the start of Tour de France twenty yep, stage uh, five. 21 stage five. Now, what I love about this parkour is that it's kind of a hellish time trial, you know, 35 kilometers of relatively false flat downhill all throughout with some rollers in between. And then you realize, well, oh, we're going down. So fun. But then you, you start getting uphills again. And that's where, uh, that's where you will have trouble and where you will not be enjoying it. And that's where a Roglic on paper fits the Olympic time trial, that part of the parkour, those hills held, but... I bet the guy has, he's got to be mentally scarred from the stage 20 still. I I don't see how you get over that. Plunge de fear so easily. <laughs> like the mindset of it. But I hope that we get to uh, see them fight again on stage 20. And who knows, Roglic might be able to upset the nightmare and go the other way around and take Boggy this time around on this parkour. But it's certainly a time trial that I do love the parkour of. And... I enjoyed that the lattice spot, the uh, last two kilometers are slightly uphill as well, so that it makes it even more tense towards the finish line. But uh, by this point, we probably already know who won the Tour de France five kilometers before the line anyway, because they're showing it in the middle of the stage, you know? Yeah, three intermediates before the final in the 40k TT. What I want to ask is, is there enough balance here, Benji? Does this course give a Bernal a chance to win? I think it does. I think given what he showed on that welter stage TT where he he lost 150. Now, 150, it's a shit ton. And he could be losing two minutes easy to Rog and Pog on this TT plus add another 20 and change in the in the prologue plus TT. Minutes, it, or 
No, no. <laughs> is there enough high? I guess he does have though, Benji, the proper high altitude stages in the Alps to try and make it up. But two, two and a half minutes, it's hard to make that up anywhere. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be difficult for him to make that up, but I think it might depend mostly on the fact on whether his high altitude climbing is at his peak level ever and where the Slovenians are perhaps a bit under that because on paper, I don't see an issue in this Grand Tour at all for the likes of Pogacar. Uh, Roglic, not necessarily either, although the cobble stage is something I've got an asterisk with for him because... You never know at this point. He doesn't have the, uh, well, his crash proneness is more than Pogacar. Let's say it like that. I don't want to mean uh, something mean to the guy because he's a wonderful cyclist, but that's that's the case in the races we've seen so far. But ah, I think this is a bogey parkour. I don't want to shout it so early, but I did so for the previous three, two years. And I think that Pogacar has a perfect parkour to make it a hat trick. Yeah, I think so. I think he'll go in favorite. Um, my big concern, just like it was this year, and it couldn't, it wasn't really exploited. Was and it remains his team. I don't see Bennett and Soler moving the needle too much, particularly. In fact, I don't. I see Micah as above Bennett if he can return to his. If Bennett doesn't go back to his twenty twenty level, although Almeida is the huge one. Do Benji? Can you do you run Almeida as a second GC threat here or is he pure Dom? I think you run him as a foe second GC threat. He's got the TT. He will be close. I think he's a really, really good second guy to have for UAE and it makes it makes Pikachu so much harder to beat. Yeah, and if you look at how Zulia was written, do you think that McNulty has no chance here to be a co-leader as well in this parkour because on no. paper, no? I think he's a good cobbler. That's why I'm looking at this. Just, you know, they can't. I just don't see it. Maybe, listen, maybe he's a young guy. He's improving. Good TT. I think he'll be close after the prologue. And uh, even that punchy 220K stage, I think he's actually really good at that sort of stage and can surprise people with his punch, like he showed at Dauphiné, where he came third behind Colbrelli and Aaron Baru. But I just, yeah, the high mountains back to back, he just has not shown that he can do that. Yet, whereas I mean Almeida has inconsistency too, but he's shown more. You know that stage where he finished behind Dan Martin in the Giro. That's a high level climbing performance in the high mountains, and the way he paces climbs is is perfect as a domestique. It's one yeah. one speed, you know, steady. You saw it at Catalonia when Thomas was sitting on him while he was chasing Yates. I think it's just the perfect addition for uh, UAE and makes them hard to beat. Whereas. Yumbo haven't really Yumbo, I think they're gonna to have to keep Jonas as a second threat there as well, Benji. And they can write, run him as a second threat. Uh certainly. Time trial fits him as well, same way that yep. Almeida has that effect as well on UAE. I don't know how much we can trust Vingegaard and also Almeida on like the extreme high altitude stages. Because if I remember at the last part of the Giro 20 to 19, 20. No. Yeah, Stelvio Almeida struggled there. What year are we? 2021. So 2020, yeah. the Stelvio year, he started struggling in the in the high altitude. I don't remember the high uh, the altitude levels of the last uh, week of the 2021 uh, Giro, so I can't tell you whether that was yeah. extremely high and as a consequence was not fitting. But he was also dropping, I think, in the descent of the last uh, second last climb before. Uh, Apimota, I think, uh, this year. But when it comes to Vingegaard, we didn't really have super high altitude in the uh, Tour de France 2021. We had 
one stage or two stage that went above 2k but it wasn't anything extreme it was the one in andorra but the finish line was not lying at that level and so forth so i don't know that andorra region i don't trust it anymore i'm afraid <laughs> what i want is mark Padun in the break on stage 18 i think he can win the stage <laughs> by five minutes on out they've got gc riders <laughs> <laughs> I think Vuelta, you turned around, waited for Jack. Maybe in the tour, the earpiece stopped working. Um, and yep. yeah, they go for the stage. I don't know. I'm not sure Altacam stage is one that Bahrain will be focusing on for GC anyway. But yeah, I, I want to see Padua at the tour. Please make it happen. Uh, but and then we obviously have the Champs Elysees. We, we, we forgot to even mention it. Champs Elysees finish 112K ceremony with the, the final sprint between probably Edvald Bosenhagen, Peter Sagan, and. <laughs> Um, maybe Tor Hushot is if he gets picked up. Like four sprinters will be left here. At Cipollini this arrives. I think Wout van Aert probably wins this stage again because he's obviously on. You know, he'll be freed. So I think it's a good parkour. I'm pretty excited by it. I, I'm glad there won't be hopefully huge gaps by the first rest day, but after the two Alpine stages, there could be some pretty big gaps uh, before the third week. Uh, yeah, I, I give it a. I'm pretty happy with it. What about you, yeah. Benji? Any final thoughts on it? I've got a final thought as by the fact that just by going through this, it reminds us how little sprint stages they have on this parkour, which it's means crazy. that when you bring a Jakobsen to this parkour, it's unlikely that he's going to win green as a consequence because how is he going to do it? I don't know. He's got 2.7 sprint stages by your calculation. Yes. And I do feel like that calculation is right. And is he going to stay off to stage four, knowing that the latter part of this Grand Tour has one stage that is likely going to go to the breakaway as well? I don't know. I don't feel like that's uh, something that I do expect him to see uh, to do. And then I'm thinking, well, who's going to go for green? Yes, a Philipson could go, but then Merlier can't be hunting for uh, the stage in week one because otherwise that deficit will be too huge in my eyes. And... Then the candidate that I arrived to is also Sagan, but there's an issue with Wout van Aert. We mentioned already, like, if I look at this parkour, Wout van Aert can win green relatively easily. I, I believe that's the case if he goes 100% for it. But Jumbo should not do that, because in Jumbo's eyes, yellow is much more important than green. If I'm the team manager of Jumbo, I don't want that to happen, but... Wout van Aert's 27, he's going to start thinking about personal goals. In August 2021, he said that the green jersey is one of his three goals for 2022. Is that still the case? We don't know, but the parkour is perfect for it, hands down. And the stages, like there's some of the stages there are perfect for him, be it break or whatever. I think that's the problem. And that's something they're going to be discussing within Jumbo Visma with their sponsors. Uh, with you know high their you know their management and plugger deciding how they're going to do this because I think trying to balance it is very very difficult and dangerous. If you look at if you look back at the Tour de France 2020, it sounds you know it's, it's obviously complete hindsight, but the stage well even one in stage seven where he actually got to sit in when they split Pagacha. And Kusen, Bennett and Co. pulled and not very well. And it was IFDJ pulling on the flat in that crosswind stage. And Wout protected himself for the final sprint. If he pulls there, do they gain another 15, 20 seconds? Yeah. It's that sort of stuff which on the, it's on the margins, but it, that's what wins Grand Tours in the yellow jersey, particularly if it's so tight between Pog and Rob who are so close. So 
yeah, I think Dumoulin, Benji, <sighs> the Giro might have a lot of TTKs. I don't know. Dumo in the Tour 2020 was made some bad decisions. Obviously, physically, he's but perfect. But he was tactically here. clever compared to the decisions that were, like the bad decisions that we saw in the race from Yumbo were the ones that he was talking about in Timbas as well after the race. And yeah, so I feel like he's a good influence when it comes to his intelligence in the race. I don't know. Stage eight, he decided to just hard Yeah, pace. that's true. Uh, don't know about that one. But yeah, I, I take your point also. But yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see mission. what happens there. Yes. I want Magnus Court Nielsen to hunt for green on this one by going in the breakaway on every bloody that's a good transitioning call. stage and go for top tens in all the flat sprint stages. And as a consequence, perhaps even in the time trials, picking up a few points. Probably not. Colbrelli green? No. Or which which Alpine stage is he winning? <laughs> Instead, <laughs> uh, yeah, what that come? <laughs> it's almost like a complete reverse Megev. of this year's parkour. Yeah, and they get seriously, McGev. Like if that's a break, or even from the GC group. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the complete opposite of the green jersey battle from how I see it in this year. But yeah, that's our route analysis. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think down below. Obviously, we're a year out, but don't let that stop you from giving your complete GC podium predictions for the tour. Uh, even though we have no idea who's and even every attending. stage, every stage winner, like <laughs> like I've tried to do and got a spreadsheet. Um, I'm pretty sure I said Wout was going to win yellow last year. Uh, no, I didn't actually say that. I said it should be a second GC. Today. What's your podium? Uh, I'm going back with Roglic. I think Rog, Roglic okay. first, Pogacar second. We do this every year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I still believe. I don't know who third. Haig third. Okay. I'm going to go for Pogacar winning. Um, I think that Roglic... I want to put Roglic second, but I also feel like that's harsh because I think getting second again might be annoying. So perhaps third might be a bit more... Or less of a, a nightmare, even though second is a better result at the end. And third in this race is what? I find it difficult to find a third rider in this race in the other teams. Because if we look at Boran, we look at look at their team. We've got Bennett, who's bringing an entire sprint train. We've got, we've got Vlasov, Higita, and so forth. I don't see Vlasov doing it here. I'm sorry, but I... Hey, Vlasov's in Monaco. He's just yeah. running around Monaco right now. That big board. That, that board, board paycheck. Vincenzo Nibali is going to come back <laughs> from the dead. He's going to see that cobble stake. The shark will rise and he's going to take 20 minutes on the cobble stage and then lose everything by the last day. And on the Champs-Élysées, he will lose his sprint. The bonus seconds will bring Pogacar to victory. Roglic will beat him in the sprint. And as a consequence, we've got Pogacar, Roglic and Vincenzo Nibali. Okay, is that this, good? This is what will happen. Someone like Ciccone will lose five minutes on the cobbled stage, he'll get allowed in a medium mountain break and take back all the time again. Uh, and then Ciccone will somehow fall backwards into third. That, Like, seriously, that could happen. Or Gio Martin does that, but the way he falls back is because he's got a jacket open in the last descent of <laughs> Mate, this entire Tour de France. You seen that TT? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, love, I do love the top 10 battle, though. Like, Louis Mankies is... Uh, he actually should come top 10 on this parkour with those high mountains. Uh, he actually should. But yeah. Like, one name that I do want to ask you about is, if you look at the Tour de France 2018 cobble stage, we've got these proper mountain stages as well. Gary and Thomas won that. 
We had him performing pretty well at to the Swiss last year. Giro. Okay, you, you're already shaking your head at the Giro. moment. Okay. But Bitcock is going to do GC at the Giro, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't see why you wouldn't send Thomas to the Giro when it could have a quite a weak start list and rumoured to have 70 kilometers of time trialing. And I like him on the steady 20K, 5% climbs, cold and wet conditions. Yeah. Crashing aside, physiologically, he seems quite resistant to them. Uh, looking at Romandy this year, so oh, just Giro seems the easy one to me there. But that leaves out you have a 53k TT Tour de France. Sending Bernal and Yates to that is uh, it's a tough ask. But I, I don't know. And those two didn't get on too well, it seems, at the Vuelta. But it's yeah. it's an interesting parkour nonetheless. If you've liked the episode, make sure to like it down below on YouTube. Give us a review or a rating on podcast players. Thanks for the call for supporting the podcast and we'll see you at some point in the future. Ciao.